It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space, be that Well, here's the thing. Here's where we're going to start this edition of Your Other Side of Texas. Thanks for tuning in. I, you Beto supporters, here's all. this is all you got to do. Um, you just take whatever Beto gear you have and just replace Senate with President. Beto for President. Because mark my words, as I come to you on November the 7th, 5.03 p.m., in the year of our Lord, 2018, Central Standard Time, Ben O'Rourke will be on the presidential ticket 2020. Will be 100%, no doubt about it. Take it to the bank. That is my, uh, that is my stone cold lock for you. Uh, will be on the ticket, I believe, as the presidential, in no way an endorsement, just starting off with analysis in an election, a historic election in Texas coming off of it, that is my number one takeaway, is that there are national posters who are looking at record-slash-epic turnout in Texas, and they want that in 2020. That's what they want. And the dynamics of O'Rourke versus Trump, they would be in such stark contrast, not on policy, but in their their respective proposals. That you would have a, a caustic, at times funny, at times, you know, kind of makes you red in the face. Donald Trump, uh, the master of little, little Marco, uh, Lion Ted, Pocahontas. Uh, and, and straight to the point, watched his news conference today. That... That dude is, um, only he can do that. And announces Mike Pence just off the cuff that, yeah, he's going to run on the ticket with me next year. I mean, Trump is Teflon. But you contrast that with O'Rourke. And O'Rourke's, you know, I get tired of the JFK analogies, but in the JFK sense of elevating, of... uh, you know, making a, a common cause to a to a better future, um, and, and you know, once you get into his policies, yeah, I mean, open. You know, people will say open borders, guns, uh, the things that O'Rourke, by the way, went out of his way to bring up in this campaign, and I think made up for the uh, almost three point loss in the high twos. Um, the loss that he had last night. Uh, he He's responsible for those things. He went to those places unprompted, the kneeling at the flag, Monta- that whole thing. But what a great setup it would be just as a political observer who raves on to see O'Rourke Trump 2020. That's where we begin the conversation today. Your thoughts into... The other side studios, 806-745-5800. You can text a couple of people who already tried to call. You can text 806-745-5800. Fast-moving program today. Uh, and we are right here. Racer Car Wash Studios, voted Lubbock's Best Wash five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across the Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed racerwash.com again thank you for tuning in thank you for telling friends you're here on the other side of texas some other observations last night how low or how slim the margins were between uh, the respective candidates in the statewides so at 8.2 about eight and a quarter million people voting in the Beto O'Rourke Ted Cruz contest and Cruz walks away by 223,091 votes that is a Lubbock that's essentially a Lubbock the size of a Lubbock 
in a state like Texas. That's super slim. And we told you yesterday on the show, you remember, uh, if you go back and if you're listening afterwards or you're listening live right now, you can go to the website, you can go subscribe to our podcast, hope you will, and you'll hear me yesterday say that the number is one, that Beto O'Rourke is down one, and that Abbott would win by 15. Governor Greg Abbott. So Cruz walks away, less than three points. Abbott wins 13.4%. And then you get into some interesting territory that I'm going to elaborate on. I'm sure that Ross Ramsey, who joins us here in about seven minutes from now as we broadcast live, Patrick, Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor, who will not come on this show, uh, because he doesn't want to get eaten alive. Only won by 4.9%. Miller, Sid Miller, Ag Commissioner, only won by 4.9%. And Paxton, the Attorney General, uh, the chief law implementer in Texas, who's also under indictment, walks away winning 36 How'd that break down in Lubbock or leave it from where we broadcast? First thing is this. Beto O'Rourke went uh, 35% in Lubbock County. Compared to, he he outperformed in Lubbock County Barack Obama, who got 31%. Wendy Davis, back to the last gubernatorial, only got 22%. That for perspective. Most notable Republican right now in Lubbock County is Jody Arrington, who outperformed Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz, Arrington 69, Abbott 68, Cruz 64. Other takeaways. The suburban counties went Democratic. Now, is that because of Trump and or Beto? Both? That's unclear. Because as I just entered the program, people say, well, it was the Beto factor and that this is just going to go away. It's not going away. Beto O'Rourke will be involved in 2020 on the ticket. Take that to the bank. Blood bank, guarantee. So the suburban counties, you know, I previously referred to the suburbitarians on this program, kind of these libertarians that just essentially rent this place out in a suburban county before they move off as their job changes not really concerned about their place they went democratic last night dallas county we had uh, our friend from the dallas morning news bob garrett on yesterday because it did dallas county played big time into the election they're on the other side of i-35 and the biggest deal was that the Democrats broke, they busted their ceiling last night in Texas. Uh, back in the primary, they were outvoted by 500,000 in the general and uh, a million Democrats and then a million and a half Republicans. But now you have, uh, you know, at least 4 million who voted for O'Rourke. And we're going to get into the discrepancies in the numbers coming up with Ross Ramsey that there may be there obviously is an Abbott Beto O'Rourke voter out there Uh, I want to talk later in the program about good old quote unquote Texas Dan Patrick commercials and and what this means in the legislature but immediately here's the biggest story for me and we say this all the time and you guys if you've enjoyed Regent Gate, if you've enjoyed Rager Gate, you wait until we get into the 86th legislature right here on the other side of Texas. It's going to be great. Um, it starts up in January, goes for 140 days. The biggest story for me, walking away last night, and as the numbers finalized this morning, the Texas House has 150 state reps. It was 95 Republicans, 55. The Democrats gained 12 seats in the Texas House, bringing the breakdown to 83-67. 83-67. What is the majority in the House? It's 76. 
which means that any far-right interests like uh, Empower Texans, which slandered Bob Duncan back at the uh, beginning of August, uh, or at mid-August, uh, and any far-right caucuses, they are, they're done. Uh, well, they aren't done, but their influence of so far as eating their own, eating fellow Republicans alive, is done. Because whenever you only now have, what, a 13-26 lead on uh, Democrats, then you start to work like a party, not like a civil war. And really interesting that some of those within that group that have been tools for the lieutenant governor barely won their own. But this big takeaway. Last night it was clear, and we'll get more into the speaker race here in just a moment. The speaker is elected by the House members, needs 76 votes. It becomes increasingly clear that the next speaker of the House will be a rural speaker. And you have two right here on the other side of Texas, um, Drew Darby in San Angelo, for Price in Amarillo, both of whom know how to work with Democrats. And you got Travis Clardy from Lubbock, now lives in Nacogdoches, knows how to work with Democrats because he's got rural interests and rural economies that are run on agriculture, medical, and uh, education. So I'm almost certain the next speaker will be one of those three names it sets the table and we're going to set the table get to a quick break bring you ross ramsey right here on the other side of the other side gonna go make a little bit of money in west texas you can't understand just how how they ride it out through the dust and drought till you wanted to uh, thank our friends at Title One, Lubbock's Digital Real Estate and Title Escrow Company. Daniel says, uh, who's in studio, by the way, as usual, sitting there looking at me, making the fun. It's not hot. You want to say something? I'm actually I'm actually here. When he says yeah. hello, I'm here hitting buttons. We're going to get the millennial take from you here. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. How old are you? Um, 29. Yeah, okay. So, millennial. Mr. Millennial sitting there in uh, his Beto O'Rourke t-shirt. Very disappointed. Lubbock's digital real estate and title ESCO group is Title One, who's committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. See how Title One can serve your realty, consumer, and lending needs at TitleOne.com. Already getting texts in that you're real. You're really real, Daniel. They're loving it. So you're, yeah, you're going to be buying your house in another decade or so you're going to make more money uh, yeah. especially off of this program and uh then uh, you're going to check out title one aren't you uh, yeah, yeah definitely yeah yeah i hear great things when when the boss tells you aren't you um you got to say yes uh who's the boss of texas politics he is ross ramsey executive editor of the texas tribune he is my political shrink uh, ross ramsey after a big election night, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, election is like, you know, my birthday. It's like a great big celebration. I love them. And yeah. They're fun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, choice beverages up there in the newsroom on election night? Not for celebration, nah, but just the, for stamina. No, nah, most of the stamina beverages are, you know, high on caffeine. The, um, the really good stuff comes later when you get home and you're trying to decompress enough to go to sleep. Yeah. Um... So, Ross, I've laid out how you can just expect to see how I started off the program was just mark out all your Beto for Texas Senate, uh, mark out Texas Senate, and uh, put president on there. That, that's how I think it's going to play. What do you think? I, You know, I don't think so, and I think it's mm. really too early to tell. You know, election night is a bad night to make career choices, and I think Beto O'Rourke probably wants 10 or 20 or 30 days off after this. He said pretty consistently and pretty emphatically during the campaign that if he lost, he was going to go home and raise his kids. And until he says otherwise, I don't have any reason not to believe it. He also said that if he was elected, he would spend his time being a senator and raising his kids and not running for national office. So I'm, I'm not sure the hunger for a higher office than the one he was just seeking 
is really there. Uh, I do know that he is, I mean, he's clearly a star in Texas politics, clearly a star in national politics, and everybody around him, you know, whether they have his own personal interests at heart or not, see him as somebody who might be able to carry the team. And so you're going to hear a lot of Beto talk, whether it's John Cornyn's running for office in two years, what about that? Whether it's vice presidential talk, presidential talk, you know, you want him to run your title company, whatever the heck it is, he's going to be a big name for a while. Yeah, I just I just don't know. I mean, far be it from me to challenge Ross Ramsey on these airwaves, <laughs> but I just have to think that political consultants are going to say, wait, your, your friend, co-worker, uh, business partner, Evan Smith, the Democrats have been locked in a, a voting pen for so long and all of a sudden, Beto O'Rourke's on the ticket, and they come out, he gets 4 million votes? And we were all scratching our heads saying, well, you know, the Democrats had record-breaking breaking primary turnout, but there's still, you know, what, a million more, 500,000 more Republicans? I just have to think, Ross, that national strategists are looking at what happened in Texas and saying, hey, he, he would be Teflon to Trump and would be a great contrast and... Let's do it. I don't think that they're necessarily wrong, but I also think you got to put a big fat asterisk on that. And remember that this guy ran a an entire what? Senate campaign. Asterisk. Okay, thanks. Uh, on this. And remember that this guy just ran a very nearly successful uh, upset without listening to any of the kinds of strategies that you're talking about. Nice. That's, uh, that's a great point of dissent. I, I want to get away from the race and look at state politics with you, Ross Ramsey, but answer me this. With what we saw last night, especially with the Democrats essentially picking up a tenth of the Texas House seats last night, close to it, Right now explain to listeners what the, and this is the curveball, but you can handle it, you're fine. Uh, explain to listeners what the tax caps are, you can do it better than I can. And then I can talk about vouchers, but explain tax caps, touch on vouchers, and then tell me if you think those are still live options with 67 Democrats who just need, you know, conventional thought would be that they need another nine Republicans to shut that down in the Texas House. You know, the tax cap legislation that you're talking about would have required local governments that wanted to raise taxes more than a certain amount to get their voters to approve it first. And the certain amount differed very, you know, in the Senate it was 4%, in the House it was 6%, and they couldn't, either one of them, move to 5%, so they didn't get a piece of legislation. But it was a response to what all of these members, Republicans and Democrats, alike here when they go to town hall meetings. The first two or three or four questions, they hear something about property taxes are too high, what are you going to do about it? One of their responses is to limit tax increases from local governments, not including school districts. Another one is to try to figure out some way to do school finance, and the governor has recently weighed in on this in, a, in an interesting way. Most of the average property tax bill, I think it's 53 or 54 percent, is school finance and, and school taxes. And if the state government is lowering its share and local governments are raising their share of school finance, then your property taxes go up. So one way into this is to say, either cut the cost of education, put in more state money, or put a lid on local spending and just see what happens. Um, Governor Abbott's approach seems to be put a lid on local spending and suggest that the state will probably step in um, but the legislation you're talking about would limit cities, counties, special districts like hospital districts and things like that in how much they can raise um, local property taxes. Okay. The opposition to that comes from local governments who say, if you're going to keep handing us these mandates, you can't regulate our prices. And it's been a big fight in the legislature. You know, I think based on what they hear from their constituents, this is still going to be a big fight in the legislature, but you, you suggested, and I think you're right, that uh, the forces that want to limit local governments lost some numbers last night. Yeah. And Pete Laney always says famously, and this is why I rave on, and by rave on, I mean talk out of an independent vein, and I'm going to do my best Pete Laney with you right now. Those, those, <laughs> those Republicans came up here 
30 years ago and said that they were going to introduce local control and term limits. How did that work out? That's uh, that's my best Pete Laney. It kind of sounded like Foghorn Leghorn, but, you know. It, I think it you're does... probably going to get a call, right? Yeah, I will. <clears throat> I will. Uh, <laughs> so, on measures like vouchers. So, here's the premise. Patrick, Dan Patrick, and Ken Paxton ran commercials ad nauseum for the last two weeks in other sides of Texas, like in rural regions, and it seemingly that the consultants knew, hey, they're going to be in trouble, and they were because uh, Patrick won by just under 5%, Paxton right. won at about 3.5%. Uh, they needed rurals as a backstop. How much will rural Texas stomach being the GOP backstop now? For statewides, how much will they stomach on vouchers? How much will they stomach on tax caps? And will uh, will Patrick push it that far? And the governor, for that yeah. matter. I don't think vouchers is a partisan issue. I think it is much more of an urban, rural, suburban issue. And that's how the legislature divides. The divide on that has less to do with what's going on with the Democrats and the Republicans than what's to do with conservatives from rural areas and conservatives from urban areas and you know the rural areas don't like it and the republicans have never been able to get it done there are fewer republicans now that's going to make it that much harder i, I think that's a non-starter and has been for a long time even mm -hmm. though they talk about it a lot but especially when you now get property, a non-starter i think it was a non-starter at 95 i think it was a, you know they couldn't get it done when they had 101 republicans yeah it's just it's just not going to go the property tax thing is whatever your politics are, clearly voters are angry about property taxes and want some kind of leash put on them and want them to come down. And the legislature is going to try to respond to that some kind of way. You either attack school finances and the school property taxes attached to that, or you try to limit what local governments can do with property taxes, or you do some combination of the two things. But that is the legislature and, you know, frankly, both parties responding to what they're hearing from their voters. Their voters are saying, no much. Yeah. Um, and you are... I think that makes it makes it a particularly difficult issue uh, if you've got a legislature that's, you know, as politically divided as, as it is, where everybody nevertheless is hearing the same thing from their voters. Yeah. I feel like you're really good at Ross Ramsey, if you want to follow him on Twitter, a column every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday there at texttribune.org. You're really good, Ross, at um, only fighting the battles that need to be fought. And I feel like, as as a follower of yours, obviously, you've really weighed in on this school finance deal. And uh, you said that the problem with school finance is that the state is not funding it like it is. And so do you feel like leadership now will hear that and try to fix it or will we i've because my thought is the tax caps that's just fodder that is beside the point it's it's a scapegoat um do you feel they've the got same? to do something yeah they're, they're gonna have to do something here that makes people not get screaming steaming mad when they see their property tax bills mm -hmm. and the only two ways to do that are to lower how much you spend or to, you know, figure out another way to raise money. And the problem with schools in particular is that, you know, one of the things that Republicans and Democrats both want is pretty good public education. And if you cut the price of schools in a way that hurts public education, you're in all kinds of political hurt. You're not doing what your voters want you to do. But they're also price sensitive, and you've got to figure out, okay, so if it's going to cost a dollar, where am I going to get the dollar? You get too much of the dollar from property taxes, they're going to scream that that's not fair. Um, and, you know, if, if you can't cut the price and you can't get it from property taxes, you're going to lose state spending. And, you know, that's hard to do. You know, frankly, the state's in a box, too, because they don't have easy ways to get the kind of money that you're talking about in school finance. And that's why it's so hard to solve this problem. Hmm. Uh, Ross Ramsey, I, again, in the monologue, I opened up my big story of the night are the 12 seats gained in the Texas House. In a 150-member chamber, the numbers go from 95-55 Republicans to 83-63. My thesis is this. As we begin to look at a speaker's race, again, the members of the House elect the speaker. 
the most power and this is me speaking the most powerful unelected position in texas nobody casts a ballot for this it's the house members themselves who elect their own speaker i think it really upped the chances of i'll be specific travis clarty drew darby for price last night uh three guys who have a uh, three members who have a great regard in the house um uh, you don't ever hear democrats complain about them uh, that they've each been helpful they've been courteous uh, they've stood against them but done so respectfully i think that it takes the legs off of uh, uh takes the cloud away this new 12 will take the clout of a quote-unquote freedom caucus or far-right groups uh, uh, coalitions within the house and clears the way for a rural republican speaker what do you make of that i don't know if rural is going to come into it it might i think the main thing here is going to be you know the house moved more toward joe strauss kind of politics joe strauss is the current speaker of the house he is not he didn't run again for office he's not running again for speaker and they need to replace him if he was running again for speaker i think he'd win easy and i think he'd win easier now than he would have before this election so I think one of the things that's going to be, um, you know, implicit in this, I don't think anybody's going to necessarily say it out loud, is whoever seems to the members to be the best, you know, duplicate of Joe Strauss is going to have a leg up in this thing. There's two things wow. that he's done that have been really important for members that they're thinking about now. One of them is which speaker candidate or which speaker would be the one who would let you do the most of what you ran to do. For any given member, you just say, which of these speakers is going to let me do what I came up here to try to do um, and not get in my way and help me when he can. And the second part of it is almost never stated, but it's super important, and that's, you know, you and I have talked about this. There's a protection racket here, and that's the part where the speaker takes um, attacks on behalf of the members. Last session's bathroom bill was a great example of that. They would come out and cross their arms and stand in front of the cameras and talk to people like me and say, you know, we really would like to vote on this bathroom bill. Our constituents really want it. And then they would finish that interview and go in the back hall and tell Joe Strauss very quietly, listen, my businesses will kill me if I vote for this thing. Don't bring it up for, for a vote. Um, the speaker protected them from that. He took all the slings and arrows on that. That's his job. That's why he gets their high chair in the corner office. And they're going to be looking for a speaker who's going to protect them from having to vote on the things that they don't want to vote on, but is going to let them do the things that they came up here to do. Man, I really want to get in the weeds with you on speaker. I just, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. I'll do it whenever you get off the phone. Okay. Um, it's, uh, let's, <laughs> I don't know who that is. If they're, if they're going there. <laughs> well, I, just, I mean, based upon what I've been told with Dennis Bonin and Dennis Bonin's list, four or five of those guys lost last night so i mean how does i'm asking this rhetorically we're going to move on how does that bode for a bonin um ross you put out your piece today and um always with lightning speed and i'm always amazed by it as somebody who tries to write a column every once in a while uh, turn down the volume tap the brakes that was the message from texas voters in your view last night explain that you know, I think this was, you know, if you go back to Monday and say, what do you think this was elect this election is about? I think this election was a national election, and I think it was about the president of the United States. Um, midterm elections are report cards for president. You know, it happened to Bill Clinton in 94. It happened to George Bush in 2006. It happened to Barack Obama in both 10 and in 14. And I think it happened to Donald Trump last night. If you look at suburban counties that Republicans depend upon for votes in statewide elections in Texas. Denton County, Collin County, Tarrant County is not really a suburb, but it acts like one in this respect. Mm -hmm. Williamson County outside of Austin, Montgomery County outside of Houston. Those counties were not as strongly Republican as the Republicans need them to be. And in fact, that's why some of the people on your list of 12 are on your list of 12. Uh, Ron Simmons in Denton County got beat. He wasn't on anybody's list. Two guys in or two state representatives in Collin County, a solid Republican county, uh, Jeff Leach and Matt Shaheen, both barely got by last night. You know, just a couple of other votes, a couple of other people had voted, they would have gotten tossed off. Yeah. Um, and 
let me let me ask let me let me ask you this question while we're on the point of Shaheen and Leach, both House members. Uh, somebody on Twitter asking me to ask you, how did so Jonathan Stickland, who's been on this program several times, will be on soon, is uh, right there in Euless, uh, Bedford, Tarrant you know, County, yeah, Tarrant County, yeah, first Euless, Bedford, yeah. He won by, I mean, you would think that Jonathan Stickland, by virtue of how he talks, he's considered like the conservative mascot of the house, is how I would describe him, only won by 2.4 points last night. He won with less than 50% of the vote. Man. Um, And in the district adjacent to him, Giovanni Capriglione, another Republican, who is much more moderate, won with 68% of the vote. Mm. What does that tell you? The moderate Republican got um, a lot of support. The Republicans more associated with the uh, you know movement conservatives and more associated with Trump didn't do as well. I think that you know a lot of what you see last night had to do with Beto getting people out, had to do with Ted Cruz getting people out, frankly. But I also think it had to do mostly with how people feel about Donald Trump and in particular how suburban Republicans feel about Donald Trump right now, and I would say the report card wasn't that great. Mm. Uh, Ross Ramsey, I interrupted you. Was there, can you remember where you were before I jumped in with that listener question? Yeah, it's, it's really just the same point. It's just that the, the Republican suburbs didn't perform the way that you would expect them to in a normal election, and I think that's a reaction to the Republican president. Yeah. Uh, so, this is where I want to end up here. Uh, Abbott is there? You've talked about this last week. Uh, you brought it up the week before. You you were really fixed on a theory that proved to be right. There is such a thing as an Abbott Beto O'Rourke voter in Texas. How many do you think that was of the vote total? I you know back of the envelope probably you know I would say three or four hundred thousand. Okay. Yep. You know you've got you know this is something we've seen before in Texas politics. Back you know. Two decades ago, 1998, we had a bunch of competitive races that the Democrats, uh, the Republicans swept, but a bunch of those races were really close. Paul Hobby almost beat Carol Freehorn for controller. John Sharp almost beat Rick Perry for lieutenant governor. And in that election, there were a wait, lot Wait, wait, did you say John Sharp? I did say John yeah, Sharp. He's pretty, for, fa- he's pretty famous around here now. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, in that election, work, there were Dave. a lot of... There were Bush Sharp signs all over rural Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, people were voting for George Bush, a Republican, and John Sharp, a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Those swing voters are back. Wow. They're back, raving on. I'm proud of Texas. I don't know about you, Ross. I feel like uh, what we do is futile from time to time because you're looking at 9% turnout, but here you've had this explosion. I think it has a lot to do with guys like you, and we appreciate you making well, I, time each week. I appreciate here, that. Uh, again, at Ross Ramsey every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Texas Tribune. Ross Ramsey, have a great rest of the week, my friend. We'll do it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Get off with Ross Ramsey. Go make a little bit of money. And we've got Daniel, the digital guru of uh, other side of Texas, going to give him some mic time today to talk about his disappointed millennial disarray after last night donning his... Uh, Beto shirt right now in studio. We hear from Daniel. He's got sad face right now. Uh, get in with these commercials. Be right back with you. On this long stretch of Interstate 10, I've got all of Louisiana. There's always a teller where I've been. I'd like to kill that dirty dealer. You know, whenever we. Uh, sell advertising on the show they say well what do y'all do we don't leave with politics because sometimes that makes advertisers even though i am the prairie populace makes prairie uh it makes advertisers nervous and so we say well what we do is rave on you know we we break some news we get into what people are interested in on what we investigate and topics we cover on the show we rave on um, because we do here right where Buddy Holly became famous. The Other Side of Texas is sponsored by the law firm of Mullen, Horton, Brown, LLP, with offices in Amarillo, Lubbock, 
and Dallas, employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. I almost stopped on Amarillo there to say, how important is Kel Seliger, the uh, state senator out of Amarillo right now? Lots of people thought, well, he's a lame duck in the Senate that's going to have, you know, 23 Republicans. He's going to be put on the back bench, but guess what? After uh, Texas 2018, uh, he's he's power broker. You're going to get something done. You got to go through Kel Seliger. Interested to hear him, and he'll, he'll get on air and he'll be perfectly humble, just like he will be on the radio. But uh, Kel Seliger may be one of the most powerful politicians in Texas right now. Uh, last night went well for Kel Seliger. Did not go well for, and this is his debut here. You get to hear him for the first time. We're finally giving him access to a microphone. He is Daniel. Yo. The uh, famous Daniel, who makes this show work. How you doing? Hey, what's up, man? Are you, I mean, you seem a little gloomy. gloomy. You're um, in your raincoat. I'm, in your I'm bummed. Have you had to wear that raincoat because of how many tears you shed over the last few hours? I mean, my... I wouldn't lie. My Snapchat's full of sad people right now. You know, it's it's depression. Wait, you're a millennial. What's Snapchat? Um, well, you point your camera at your face and you, you you send a photo to someone and then it disappears after a certain period of time. But they could always take a screenshot. Have you it'll, thought about this in your? It'll tell future? you. It'll tell you if you if they oh, take really? a screenshot. Okay. So there are some creepy people out so there. So have you ever had to call? I don't want to get off in this. I'm just fascinated. Yeah. Have you ever had to call somebody and say, hey, delete the screenshot? Well, I mean, uh, no, because I'm a moral guy. Did you cry last night? There were some tears. You cried? You know, depression is, you know, something common with my generation. You know, I, I like, we're killing things, all right? We're killing processed cheese, and we were really hoping to kill the processed cheese of, uh, politics right now uh, who's that I would say it's Ted Cruz man oh, okay. like look you know Beto was like a thick boar's head you know like blue cheese well, that guy hold, was hold real on, man boar's head who for those who don't shop like Mrs. Leeson is like the super premium stuff oh yeah that's yeah. you know organic man you gotta do that you know that's that's good that's good cheese you know, like okay. my buddies, they called me and they were like, oh, we're so excited. Like, you know, Beto's going to win. I was like, hey, go pick up some PBR, like go grab some water burger, skate over and let's have a party. <laughs> you know, we all got jazzed up. And On it, PBR and yeah, skates. And, yeah. yeah, dude, it was great. And we were so hyped. And then 830 before anyone could even come over. You know, we get the results, and it's like, man, we just threw on some Hawthorne Heights, got back into our emo stage, and uh, we just, we're cool with being sad. I've got like five follow-up, because I don't follow anything that you just threw out there, but oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just, I'm speaking to my people, you know? Like, I really thought there was a chance that he could get through, and maybe we might legalize it, man, you know? Like, it's really, it's a bummer. It seems like my my folks were right, and maybe I should just like try to get a real job, and you know. You I, we pay you pretty good. Huh? <laughs> you do? I don't really pay attention to that. Actually, my <laughs> wife handles a lot you of that. You know what? But let me ask you an honest question. Yeah. As a Beto supporter, this is what a lot of people have concerns about with Beto O'Rourke is that economy, economics, ranks at like number five on his supporters list you know maybe maybe 10 economics yeah because we're poor yeah we're we're poor millennials man you know like we don't have health care uh, and we're not too concerned about that but student loans those are serious things buddy <laughs> i went through college i was thinking oh great you know i'll get this loan and now mortgages are a thing yeah. i don't even know how my folks got a house <laughs> You told me about that title place. Yeah. What is that about? <laughs> hey, it won't be very long until healthcare becomes your uh, student loan. Oh, 
Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, I think that you listen to the show every once in a while, and you yeah. put up the podcast, and... I'm listening. Okay. All right. I figured I could, like, when I I'm... I feel like I've let you down because I've not addressed these basic issues. I need to have, like, a dad show for millennials. That might help me. I'm trying to figure some stuff out, you know? Look, I really thought he was going to win, but at the same time, you know, Beto talked about the clamp down. And the clamp down is is keeping it the old way, and a lot of my a lot of my friends they came out, they took the photos, and they said they voted, and they did the social media thing. What well, what my generation doesn't know is that we're just shouting to each other, and we're not learning from or communicating with the people outside of our bubble. So inside my bubble, it totally was for Beto. Outside my bubble, the 99% of like rural communities. They went for Ted Cruz. Yeah, I don't think it was. I think uh, Lubbock broke down the rural metropolis 65, and uh, you're probably going to find 70-30. Okay. So 99. That's a little bit high. Yeah. If we're going to get into why they advertise so hard in, in rural Texas here in just a moment. Um, any other takeaways, given you your debut here on the show with a live microphone? I would say, like, uh, this was probably my first time to vote like i didn't i didn't vote in the general election really? yeah because i i didn't so you're like you've gone 11 years not voting and you voted this year right i didn't even vote when obama went because i, I just wasn't concerned really so i went i did the primary thing i went to the events and i voted for beto and oddly i voted for abbott too because the border you are the abbott beto guy yeah. You're one of them. Yeah, the border is an important thing. You and 299,999 other people. Well, I was raised on Rush Limbaugh, you know? I just, uh, you know, Beto seemed like a real guy and somebody that I could relate to, you know? But you, but Abbott because of the border. Is Abbott oh, definitely. a real guy? Um, it depends. Is he a cyborg? Could he be? <laughs> These are millennial questions. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Daniel, thank you. A lot of audience reaction. Um, There's, they, are they surprised that I'm a real person? Yeah. I mean, That's you the, sit here and we do, you know, you do some drops. and you know, yeah. they're, they're, Sometimes I'm late. Yeah. And sometimes it's the wrong one, and I'm sorry. Well, there. Uh, by popular request, there's Daniel. The guy who makes all the digital stuff work that I don't know what to do with. The verticals on other side of Texas on Facebook and up on Twitter and, you know, puts up a top 40 podcast, U.S. News and Politics. Oh, it's going to get up. Yeah. We've gonna, got some cool stuff rolling, man. You're going to take it there. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to get in with another break. Uh, Daniel, ladies and gentlemen, I know that you've been waiting to hear from him, and now you have. Uh, we're want you to hear from a couple of advertisers here about 90 seconds from now we'll come back in with the rest of the program right here raving on from am 580 lubbock or leave it been the same way for years we need to change uh welcome back in this segment brought to you by lubbock file room i say this and i mean it i use these guys you don't want to throw out your business secrets the secret sauce out the ingredients of the secret sauce out into the trash can if you're straight up or otherwise you don't want to throw that stuff out there what do you got good work daniel thank you you don't want to just throw it out there into uh, the dumpster. You want to let somebody, the uh, pros, who will give you a document of, uh, what do they call it? A document of uh, certificate of destruction. That's what they give me. Document storage and shredding services uh, to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. Give our friends Lubbock File Room a call. For a free and hassle-free estimate, you can give them a call, 
744-7666, LubbockFileRoom.com. Daniel's done messing with knobs. Uh, Going to look through some, we've got a lot of people applying to be interns with the program. Going to see who wants to work for him um, for free because, um, you know, he's a millennial, big Beto voter. See, we can hear you just going through the paperwork. Oh, no, I'm still hot. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I'm going to turn you down now because i got to get into a little riff here. So, here's the deal. Last night's results, a couple of things that I want to point out. Now, people ask me why I was so hamstrung on Cruz. The people who are behind Cruz are the very people who tried to oust good members, your state. In Lubbock, I just need to qualify John Frulo, but outside of Lubbock, state representatives in the West Texas delegation get a hard time from the very people who operate out of Cruz Central. And so there's some political dissonance for me whenever I look at Ted Cruz. Um, They back him the same way. The same people who called, you know, this empowered Texans group, slandered Bob Duncan, uh, said that he had done some financial impropriety, that he was being ousted for that. I don't know why Bob Duncan didn't sue their A-Money Monies. At least he hasn't yet. And uh, that that's kind of my hang-up in the background with Cruz. And uh, I've got my other hang-ups with O'Rourke. Here's the thing. O'Rourke, in my mind, and you can call me crazy, O'Rourke lost by just under three points. He did a lot of things in this campaign that were unprompted, which is why I raise the question, is he running for U.S. Senate out of Texas, or is he running for president? One of those instances was he couldn't clarify a position on guns, at least in such a way that most voters could understand. Most independent voters who would go behind the curtain and make up their own mind, except we don't have curtains anymore. Um... There were issues about the border and what he had to say about the border that were never completely clarified. And so the opposition was able to do whatever they wanted to with it. But the one undeniable was to bring... He was prompted by Cruz's campaign director, or at least a big part of his campaign, Jeff Rowe, planted a question at a town hall somebody who had something to say about kneeling at the flag in NFL games. NFL games. He uh, did more than take the bait. He uh, went into a four-minute dialogue, monologue, about how American it was to kneel at the flag. Now, good people can disagree on this issue, but that O'Rourke raised the issue he did I doubt a lot of people who say, how about them cowboys in Texas are uh, big flag kneelers. And I think that O'Rourke's, I think that was at least two points. I really do. With what he handed Cruz and then Cruz brought in um, a supporter uh, who lost two legs in combat and ran all the ads that he did on NFL games, at least that I saw, because that's really the only television I watch is NFL. Now, what I'll say on, let's switch away from Cruz for just a moment, on the Patrick thing, on the Dan Patrick thing, the bravest coward in Texas, Dan Patrick, um, Lieutenant Governor, for those of you not familiar with Texas politics, he presides over a 31-member chamber in the U.S. Senate. The upper chamber, sorry, the Texas Senate, the upper chamber. He decides what's going to come to the floor and what's not going to come to the floor to be voted on. And um, uh, Dan Patrick has been extremely anti-rural, you know, one of his campaign workers, whenever he was running against David Dewhurst for the same job four years ago, said, we won where there are people, meaning the urban and suburban areas. Uh, Dewhurst won where there are animals. You know, you're probably listening to this west of I-35. Uh, whether or not you're an animal, a steer, or whatever the case might be, a hog, 
that's what he said. And that's why I've taken the opposition I have with uh, Dan Patrick. He is the quintessential suburbitarian. And I've challenged him on what he calls school choice. I'll call vouchers, putting money into uh, religious schools, whatever they may be. And uh, if, of all sects, madrasas or Catholic schools, whatever it might be. And I don't think that that's good use of state money. Uh, at least there ought to be some separation from the church house and the state house, whatever church house that might be. And it just comes on the backs of rural schools. He has repeatedly not replied to come on this program to engage me on this because he is the bravest coward in Texas. Now, here's the problem, guys. Listeners, this program, as I look at the maps, we're all getting ready for the next legislature. We think that vouchers are going to come up because as Ross Ramsey just said, they've come up since 1995, since uh, there was... Uh, strong republicanism in the state and they've been fought by rural republicans since 1995 because as drew darby would say out of san angelo a state rep in running to be the speaker of the house uh rural schools are lifeblood in any community and i uh and that's put rural republicans in a real spot but here's the deal is i look at the maps and I just, I'm being honest with you right now. I was really dis. I voted for Mike Collier. I got no problem telling you that. I don't want to go down the rest of the ballot, but I will tell you I did vote for Mike Collier because Mike Collier is a former Republican, and whenever he's come on this program, I push him on social issues. He just, you know, effectively says, well, I'm an accountant, and I'm worried about school finance. I can help fix the budget in school finance. And... As I look at the map, uh, there are not many, I don't think there are any rural counties that that Collier carried. And so, you know, I point at a lot of people a lot of times. Now I'm pointing at us, West Texacans and other rave honors. That's on us. If vouchers come up again, it will be because Dan Patrick will look at his votes and say, you know, I might have won by... Uh, 20 point he did get a lot of rural votes and that's why he ran commercials ad nauseum because he wanted to make up for collin county and losses in denton county and losses in uh i mean really anywhere in texas in losses down in houston in the big triangle especially austin dallas and houston collin and so if it comes back up guess who that's on our backs now and i don't if things work out the way they i think they will it's really interesting to me and i'm gonna get a couple of calls about this yeah texter saying that my pete laney sounds like uh, drew darby i'm not a good impressionist thank you tom um charles perry the state senator out of a large swath of west texas lubbock down north of lubbock down to abilene i wrote a column about him in the last legislatures that had to do with tax caps with him and uh some of his county judges uh contesting him it was called charles perry and the perry go round because he talked about how bad tax caps were for his district because they're run on commodities one year could be good the next year could be bad and if you put a cap on, it might be looking at last year's numbers, but then the commodities are up the next year, and it just cripples them. As uh, some told me, some rural county judges and commissioners told me it could bankrupt our counties. It's a bad deal for uh, the other side of Texas. And But the play last night, and the reason I said I would get calls is because there is some thought, and especially within the Perry camp, that Lubbock Mayor Dan Pope could jump into the race for Senate against Charles Perry. And had those numbers held up, and Patrick had more Republicans to run his agenda through in the Texas Senate, and less opposition in the House so far as uh, Democrats who would vote with rural Republicans on this issue... Um, he would be put in a position 
and still may it probably will be still put in a position on these tax caps but may not and charles perry might have been breathing a little bit easier last night knowing that 67 members of a 150 member chamber oppose this policy and uh, all they need is another nine to jump in to make sure it doesn't ever reach the governor's desk uh, that puts charles perry with some breathing room and even though they would carve out which is what they want to do if you're a member if you have counties that are less than a certain amount and all it would impact is lubbock county and then on the voucher question i don't think that i don't think it has any legs now i don't i don't think they can do it but you must be breathing easier to speak regionally and you guys are listening across texas just understand that this is a hot issue here and charles perry must be feeling much better today um, and quietly enjoying democratic gains in the texas house and picking up two seats in the senate takes pressure off of him and uh could put pope if pope Pope has told me he's not running Uh, a lot of people think that he's running um but uh could alleviate some breathing space with some people who were and this is my biggest thing what's changed in texas and sorry i didn't lead this should have been my absolute lead beyond o'rourke running what's changed in texas is one word obama all of these official a lot of these guys who you saw lose last night were obama uh, era incumbents they were people who got voted in because of a knee-jerk reaction against barack obama in texas charles perry being one of them and uh, I, I believe he was voted in in that 2010 class into the Texas House when there were 23 seats that switched over. One, the Republicans won 21, and then you had two flops. And uh, Charles Perry, part of that class. And just things got a little bit easier, I think, for a Charles Perry politically last night. And uh, I think certainly in your neck of the plains or the woods, wherever you're listening from, uh, some more right-wing guys who have been uh, affiliates of hardcore right-wing groups um, who've tried to mellow out over the past few years post-Obama, they're having an easier time now. Hey, we're going to have an easy time tomorrow. Uh, Next episode, you're going to have Chris Level on, and I think, I think... Jody Arrington, a congressman out of Lubbock uh, and West Texas. It'd be interesting to hear his take on going from a fast-rising star in the U.S. House of Representatives in the majority to now the minority. And uh, his thoughts on that, as well as where's the farm bill? What's the farm bill do? Because the far- Okay, I'll save that lots of dairy and corn guys on the democratic side cotton easily underrepresented by uh democrats mostly republicans get in with that with errington and we'll laugh a little bit too i think we're expecting john sharp on the cell phone next couple of days uh looking forward to that and looking forward to you joining us again thank you for grabbing your co-workers phones opening up the uh holding up to their face so that uh, you millennials daniel with your iPhone 10s, you just point it at your friend's face and it opens up. Yeah. You don't have to know their code anymore. No. Yeah. In fact, if your buddy is, like, passed out on your couch, you could, like, do that, call him an Uber and get him out of your house. Passed out on things that may not be legal. No. It's just, Can you I, pass out on marijuana? I don't know. I don't have any comment on that. Okay. Not publicly. Whenever we get off, what do you tell me? I have no recollection that's a good way to put it it's an easy way not to recall okay uh so we'll get that up for you tomorrow uh uh, thank you for tuning in telling your friends and uh we'll see you next time right here gonna get home gotta get home great family above average dinner oh it's date night got date night with uh mrs leeson who we got our family pictures back and she, she looks as good as ever let me tell you that right now. Hold on, hold on. Let me turn you back up. You had, you had somebody else take your family photos? 
instead you guy over here that is literally we're gonna we're gonna talk about that oh man yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it <laughs> you gonna be able to get over this yeah it's oh. easy okay yeah, I don't know okay uh, <laughs> and uh, also rave on buddies rave on hey uh, get your hand out of your hands or your head out of your hands it's gonna be okay uh, we'll see you next time right here on the other side of Texas. It's who we want to be.